Welcome to another episode of Dirt Cast, Jezebel's weekly podcast where we talk about the dirtiest dirt in the celebrity gossip rags. Um, Boy, is it dirty. It's pretty dirty this week. I'm Jezebel staff writer Bobby Finger. And I am another Jezebel staffer, Madeline Davies. And today we've got a pretty fun episode for you guys. No Scientology talk. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. uh, After talking about The Dirtiest Dirt, which involves both O.J. Simpson and Beauty and the Beast, oddly. (laughs) Doesn't it always. We have a special guest, Jezebel's deputy editor, Kate Drees, in the studio, who's an expert in all things Bachelor. I am probably in all of the work and writing that I do and, like, most interested in the media that we consume and how it both reflects our values and shapes our values. And luckily, Kate's going to stay with us to play a very fun game that Madeline devised that you're all going to love and probably play with your friends later on. (laughs) We normally record this on Mondays, but we couldn't this week because of the snowstorm, the crippling snowstorm. Well, we actually had a few setbacks. Mm -hmm. First... Oh, right. We're going to be talking about The Bachelor a lot, yeah. and we wanted to wait until we knew who won. Right, until Tuesday. That's um, then, Tuesday. Crippling snowstorm. Crippling snowstorm. Crippling. Bobby, what did you do during the blizzard? Well, we still work. We still blogged. We had to blog our little hearts out still. That's the thing with, like, if you, as long as you have the internet, you never you really get a snow it. day. Yeah, so we're still working, but I was working from, as I assume you were too, from the couch. I yes. was working from my couch, and I watched House Hunters. I just had House Hunters on all day. Yeah. It was mostly just House Hunters. Sometimes I paused it because sometimes it's like, oh, I can't. I have to pause it for a little bit. But a lot of <laughs> House Hunters. I was going to watch some great British Bake Off because Jezebel Deputy Editor and uh, the guest of our show today, Kate Drees, informed me that the, some new seasons had been added to Netflix in the you know very recent past. Um, yeah. But I forgot to do that because I got so wrapped up in House Hunters. And Great British Bake Off is like the most relaxing show yes, of all time. I should have done that. Um, I just like love like watching them in competition because they're always like, you so did kind. a good job they're and so you kind. did a good job. Um, what did you do? I So I actually was a little sick yesterday. Oh, no. Um, kind of woke up with a sore throat and a headache. Ugh. So I took a lot of naps. I watched a lot of Housewives. Uh-huh. Which one? I watched... Beverly Hills, uh-huh. and I watched Vanderpump Rules, uh-huh. and I read a little bit. Uh-huh. I'm reading a book, as I was telling you earlier, that is... A book. I know. Believe it or not, um, it's not even on a screen. <laughs> I'm, like, trying to get more into, like, radical feminist theory, mm-hmm. just because I want to punish... Typical. Just because I... Yeah. Typical Jezebel employee. I was going to say, it's because I want to punish literally everyone in my life by just being <laughs> like, actually, I read this, and I read um, so I'm reading this book called King Kong Theory by this French feminist named oh, yeah. Virginie Dupont. Dupont. And she is, like, crazy in the most amazing way. Like, her whole thing is basically about how heterosexual male competition is all based in men's desire to fuck each other, mm-hmm. which, true. Which, true. I mean, that's always what I'm assuming anyway. I'm always yeah. like, you do just want to touch each other's dicks. Right. Like, and it doesn't make sh- you gay. And you guys should just do it. Just touch the dicks. Just and you touch go the back dicks. to your ladies. Yeah. You want to touch the what? dicks. Guess and what? you both want to touch the dicks. Touch the dicks. You know? Touch the dicks. Touch the dicks. Like whenever like in The Bachelor, Bachelorette, when they're all in the house and they're like, oh, they're furious. Yeah. It's like, all just full of touch. Fuck each other. Yeah, God. <laughs> it's like lonely nights, man. It'll make you feel better. It'll make you feel so much It'll better. Make you feel better, and then you can like get get to the to the ladies. Yeah, exactly. It's completely fine. It's so fine. I <sighs> embrace it. I embrace sexuality mm. on a spectrum. Absolutely. 
Follow your heart. Follow your loins. Follow your follow your heart. That's interesting. I've totally, I totally buy that hypothesis. Yeah. All right. That theory. Good. Congratulations, Virginie. Vir- Virginie. You've been. De, what is it? Depont. 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 I'm sure, like anyone reading this who knows who she is, is like, actually, that's not how you pronounce it. But you know what? <laughs> We're not in France. So the dirtiest dirt of the week, we have a couple topics. Yeah. I think the first topic we want to talk about is this rumor about O.J. Simpson. The juice is potentially loose. So he is up for parole or will be up for parole in the summer? This summer he's up for parole. And and this is, like, a lot of people know this, but I feel like a lot of people don't. He is not in prison for the murder murder of Nicole (laughs) Brown Simpson. That trial ended with him being declared innocent. Mm -hmm. He went to prison later for basically like all of these, like it was like kidnapping, threats with a deadly weapon. And like burglary. Yeah, an armed robbery. Because he was trying to um, rob two collectors of sports memorabilia. Mm -hmm. Who had his stuff. Yeah, in a Las Vegas hotel room. Mm -hmm. But it's sort of one of those examples of someone like kind of being charged with a past crime. Yeah. So, I mean, he ended up getting, like, a pretty heavy pr- prison sentence for this. And it kind of is like, well, you got you got off for, you know, you Nicole. got what, You got what you de- really deserve for Nicole and uh, Ron. Yes. But also, the, when, you, when you read about uh, stories about that particular crime that he committed in Las Vegas, he was so incompetent. It's like yeah. he's just, like, this sort of bumbling wannabe criminal. Everything goes wrong. It's very amateurish, which is why he got caught. And so it's just kind of this, not that any crime isn't embarrassing, but it's just this kind of embarrassing reason to be in jail. Like, it's just yeah. really pathetic. The rumors aside, he probably won't get parole. Like, yeah. that's what most people are saying. Like, people who are being rational and know the know the history and, like, his odds at actually being granted parole are saying he's not, he does not have a high risk of being let out. Right. Um, but TMZ took it upon themselves to... Call as they, up, so, often as they do. so often do. God, God love their gumption. They called a lot of reality TV producers who did not want to be named for understandable reasons. And they were like, here's a hypothetical. So OJ Simpson is up for parole in the summer. And if he was granted parole, he would get out in October. Would you guys be interested in a reality show with OJ Simpson if he were released? And all of them were like, oh yeah, there'd be a bidding war. Everyone yeah. would want him. Which is like, both understandable and disgusting. Yeah. But then there was a caveat to that where it was like, we would all want him, but we would know that it would be really tough to get advertisers for those shows. Like, we understand that it would be really tough to I wonder if to that's true, though. I feel like mm-hmm. our culture is still so OJ-obsessed that it's like, people would watch. Even if, mm-hmm. like, people, are, people who would be like, oh, I don't really feel comfortable. Like, they would be tuning in. Because they... Because they think he's a monster or whatever. Like, yeah, they just hate like, him. I mean, also, I think, believe it or not, I'm no doctor. <laughs> I know, shocking. But to me, it seems very clear that this is a person with CTE who, oh, like, yeah. is brain damaged from years of playing football. You hear people who, like, are still in communication with him saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, basically, he has, like, the comprehension skills of a child mm-hmm. and just sort of what we know about his character is sort of this, like, tantrum person. Yeah. 
And so I think there's also people who are morbidly fascinated by that and would want to be like, what is he like now? Because mm-hmm. he sort of was just this like charismatic football star who crossed over into cinema and, you know, yeah. people until the murders really like adored him and loved sort of, you know. And and I mean, for people like myself who were so young when he was, you know, on trial, like I remember the trial, but that was my introduction to him. Yeah. Like I guess I'd seen maybe a Naked Gun movie, but I wasn't aware. Like he was just a guy. In the, like I didn't right. know. But it's like, I don't really have any comprehension of him as a person beyond like photos of him at the trial or his mugshot or photos of him in jail. Like, I don't really know what he's like. So I'm personally interested in just seeing him be alive, like be a person in front of a camera. Not that I want him to be on the show, but if he were on the show, I would want to watch because I just am interested in knowing what his behavior is like. Like I mean, yeah, and I think that's that's most people, even the people who don't want to admit it. So... I mean, it's pretty. Did you watch um, OJ Made in America? I I didn't finish it. I haven't finished it. I mean, it's like an incredible documentary, mm-hmm. right? Like it's it really put into perspective how that trial actually changed the course of our culture and of history in a mm-hmm. way. Just like in the way that uh, celebrity news gets covered, like basically the OJ Simpson trial changed everything, just because. The paparazzi kind of had a front seat to this. There were like new privacy laws introduced surrounding this, just kind of based on certain outcomes of the trial. And then just sort of where we're at now, where it's like, without that trial, we probably would not have the Kardashians. We probably Mm -hmm. would not, you know, there's so many things that are weirdly rooted in the OJ trial. And to me, that's just fascinating that there's like one event you can watch splinter out into a million different paths. Which is why all these OJ-related pieces of media are being consumed and adored. Mm-hmm. Like the the documentary, which admittedly I have not finished, but then also the People versus OJ Simpson won all the Emmys. The documentary won an Oscar. Mm-hmm. As much as you will see people complain about like, we've had enough of it. Right. By and large, we haven't had enough of it. I don't no, think people, I mean, like, I mean, it's like you said, it's it was such a milestone in, like, culture that, like, we are – we will always be fascinated by it. Well, and just how, like, that weird, like, Brentwood community, which is where these murders mm-hmm. happened, is in Brentwood in Los Angeles, kind of has persevered where if you watch, like, The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, like, O.J. Simpson connections abound <laughs> where it's sort of like one of the women, Kyle Richards, her best friend is uh, Faye Resnick. And so Faye Resnick gets trotted mm-hmm. on the show every now and then. <laughs> You know, like Yolanda Foster was married to David Foster, who was married to Linda Thompson, who was involved in all of this, you know, married to Caitlyn Jenner. Mm -hmm. It's just an insane... Based on keeping up with the Dashians a lot, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like an insane phone tree, again, based off of this, like, Mm -hmm. horrific event. Yeah. And will he be out of prison? Probably not. But if he is, watch out, because he's he's coming to a television near you. And And we'll show, yeah. It will be so... Pathetic. It and will just be more, so I think pathetic. it'll be morbid. Yeah. Yeah. We're, and then, I mean, it's going to, yeah, we're all going to be reluctantly tuning in. And the show will be called If I Did It. If I Did It. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Moving on to something lighter, but in also some ways. <laughs> but also terrible in completely other different ways. Beauty and the Beast 
as of this recording and by the time you listen to this, will not be out yet. (laughs) (laughs) Beauty and the Beast. Out this weekend. I feel like this promotional cycle has lasted three years. Yes. Since it was announced probably two and a half years ago. Like live action Beauty and the Beast. So much. The first teaser was probably released over a year ago. That was just the the rose. And then Emma Watson being like, "Eh." Look, a girl. Yes, I can see it's a girl, you fool. What if she is the one? Hello? Promotions as old as time, am I right? Promotions as old as time. And they've been (laughs) teasing us with stuff for like actual footage of the movie for so many months. Right. And teasing us with the, the, the changes that we got and the new songs we got and da, 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 for so long that I cannot believe they're still finding new ways to talk about it. But one of the most reliable ways to talk about it is by discussing the fact that LeFou, Gaston's little shitty sidekick, may or may not be a homosexual in the live-action virgin played by... Virgin. Virgin <laughs> played by Josh Gad. You can ask any Tom, Dick, or Stanley And they'll tell you whose team they prefer to be on. Oh, boy. So, depending on who you ask in the cast and crew, you will get completely different answers. Right. So, and some people will be happy to talk about it and some people will be angry about it. What people are saying, LeFou is gay, there's a little nod to it, a single line or a single moment. Maddie and I have not seen this. We cannot confirm or deny. One of our coworkers has seen it and has said it's basically yeah. nothing. Uh, apparently, he says, "I'm a bottom." <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> I'd have pre-ordered my ticket already. Right. But uh, if you asked Emma Watson, she would say, "Oh, it's lovely. It's just a, it's such a nod to you know the 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 amount that culture has changed in the past twenty something years." And 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 Howard Ashman, people will call out the fact that the guy who wrote the music or the lyrics to the Original one, yeah. Mankin wrote the score, and then I think he, he did the Ashman lyrics. wrote the lyrics. He was an out gay man who very tragically died of HIV/AIDS soon after the movie was first screened, um, and so he had always he was at least drawn to the character of the Beast because he saw it as sort of an allegory for like a air quotes like curse of of HIV/AIDS and mm-hmm. like the, the the stigma that is placed upon it. But you're not getting any of that from this promotional cycle. You're not getting anything sort of thoughtful and sad. You're just getting, he might be gay. Oh, my God. He might be, he and Gaston might secretly want to fuck. Um, Which, Alan again, Men- duh. Duh. Alan Menken's <laughs> sick of talking about it. Emma Watson loves talking about it. Ewan McGregor, which I did not see. Ewan How, McGregor, he, he said something where he was like, his quote basically boils down to, it's 2017, get over it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's 2017. A girl can be imprisoned by a giant dog man um, and eventually fall in love with yeah. him. But also, like, and then you any- know, it's okay that this villain's gay. So we're progressive in certain ways, I guess. Well, when someone brought that up to Emma Watson, she completely disregarded it and sort of talked her way around it and said, no, well, actually, she's there because she wants to be. And this is I mean, your misunderstanding yeah. Stockholm Syndrome when it's like, this is... This is the photo that's next to Stockholm Syndrome in the dictionary. I mean, we also have to, uh, yeah, it's Patty Hearst and then Belle. <laughs> yeah, Patty um, Hearst with the gun. <laughs> it's also one of those things where it's like we are living in a time where it's really important to like idealize everything mm-hmm. and like politicize everything. Mm-hmm. Sort of uh, not even as critics, like people who are involved in these projects want to do that. And so it's sort of one of these things where it's just like, no, like Beauty and the Beast is feminist. And it's just like, 
because she why because she likes to read like <laughs> sorry what like <laughs> I don't know it's one of those things where nothing your people are really trying to like put a like a woke world worldview on it when maybe there isn't one yeah when they're almost by the very like fundamental understanding of what the story about Beauty and the Beast is can in no way be progressive or feminist. Right. It just cannot. You can't do anything to the skeleton of that story to make it feminist unless you rewrite it completely. I would also say that Disney has been, like, making their villains gay for a very <laughs> long time. Like, it's not, like, one of those things where it's, like, it just, like, wasn't explicit. They just weren't yeah. saying, like, I am gay. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, but you think about, like, all of, like, the slithery, like, villains of cartoon world. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, those were just, like, being, like, be afraid of, mm-hmm. be afraid of these types of men, you know? Like, Ursula. Ursula, divine. Ursula. Yeah, divine. <laughs> um, and one thing that's really interesting that keeps getting sort of lost in the shuffle is that Gaston is literally played by a gay man in this. Luke Evans is an out gay man. Yeah. And that's almost a more interesting angle than anything else, where it's like, oh... That's that's the actual yeah. signifier of how our society has progressed. That like it's okay to have an out gay man playing like the pinnacle of machismo, machismo and hyper masculinity straight man, and it's this gay British guy. Yeah, that's it's really I will interesting. Say though, looks wise, very good casting. <laughs> very good casting. The moral of the story is like <laughs> this is a movie about bestiality it's about, yeah it's just about like a, gir- a girl who's held prisoner by a dog and then fucks him and then it's like you know what and then a candlestick is talking uh, so today we have bachelor expert expert jezebel Deputy editor. Deputy editor. She is legally and in the eyes of God, my wife, <laughs> Kate Dries. Are you allowed to say that? I am. Hmm. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> Thinking not, makes it so. I did not know you two were married. That's really that's lovely. It's brand new information to me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's not. Secret but, wedding. A lot of people have gotten secretly married this week. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we're the fourth. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Everyone's talking about it. Maddie and Kate together at last. Where was the what? Anywhere? Well, I guess she didn't know. Where it, was the well, wedding? It was at um, Bluestone Farms upstate. Oh. Um, oh it was wow. lovely. The brides wore white. <laughs> this is really taking a turn. Um, it was just so romantic. We got married in a paddle boat on a frozen lake. <laughs> um, speaking of love. Romance. Yeah, true love. We're talking all about The Bachelor. The Bachelor ended. The and Bachelor talk about it. ended. And Kate, I love reading your Bachelor recaps because you write about it like it's like the freaking Battle of Waterloo. <laughs> where like you. you write about strategy, you write about like manipulations. How has that changed the way you write about the show? And like what do you notice now? Uh, I would say that I am probably in all of the work and writing that I do am like most interested in the media that we consume and how it both reflects our values and shapes our values. And I think The Bachelor, the reason that I've kind of used it as like a academic study of sorts <laughs> is that uh, it, I think, is a really good Kate's example. Teacher, Kate's an adjunct professor at NYU <laughs> yeah, next year. Bachelor studies. Um, <laughs> is I, <laughs> That's good. Is that I think it uh, is a really good 
test case for a lot of the topics I'm really interested in. So women, relationships, um, like how the media both interacts and is influenced by the audience that is watching it. So I didn't know very much about what they did at the beginning. I would say like the best person if you are interested in The Bachelor and want to know like it as kind of a very long-running, very successful example of a reality television show. Um, reality Steve, a.k.a. Steve Carbone, who is a blogger who has been, quote-unquote, spoiling The Bachelor for s- several seasons now and kind of started off doing recaps and then got a tip, like, during Jason Mesnick's season, and he ended up spoiling that one, and then people just started sending him more and more. And he's now essentially created this entire industry out of um, revealing, like, the truth of what they do behind the scenes. And so I started reading him, and that was kind of the moment that I was like, oh, man, this is pretty fascinating. Well, Um, ABC, like, hates him, right? Yeah, it's a little hard to tell. Symbiotic. They have have sued him and settled, uh, basically. Yeah, they've sued him twice. I know at least one of them settled. Basically, I think the argument was that he had, like, quote unquote, like interfered with their, the contracts that they have with contestants. Mm -hmm. And I think that involved a particularly infamous contestant, Erica Rose, who has been on a couple different versions of the show. But other than that, they do not comment on him. Chris Harrison will not, like, no one talks about him at all, Hmm. even though they are obviously very intimately familiar with him. He's like the Voldemort of the... Yeah. Of the Bachelor franchise. Yeah, I think ABC's uh, SVP and one of the executive producers of the show was recently on um, Juliet Lippman's podcast for The Ringer called Bachelor Party, and she kind of brought up Reality Steve, who's also been on her show, and he was just like, ha, 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 ha. I can't say anything about that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I think he was kind of the first person, and then a, a big part of it was I just started watching the show at a time in which um, social media – which is obviously the go-to that everyone kind of, I think, points to for so many things about, like, what has changed society. But it has really made it so that both the contestants have more agency and the viewers have more agency to kind of talk amongst themselves and suss out what's actually happening here, what are the producers doing both during the production and then in editing to make you think that a certain thing is happening when it may or may not have happened that way at all. So tell us about some of those tricks. Yeah. Sure. So the season that we just wrapped up was Nick's. Uh, so Nick had been on two seasons of The Bachelorette. He had been in the final two for both seasons and rejected both times. Yeah. Uh, and then he was on the most— You love it. You're like— <laughs> I mean, he's clearly a glutton for punishment. And then on he was on the most recent season of um, Bachelor in Paradise, which is their kind of— campy, like, everybody just has sex on yeah, the beach. Yeah, it's a real fuck fest. Yeah, it's, like, very loose, has very tongue-in-cheek. Um, a good example of how I think the franchise is trying to be take itself a little bit less seriously, which is good because it was, like, deeply insufferable before. <laughs> and he didn't end up, obviously, with the girl that he was dating during that season. Rejected again. So this wow. season, the kind of premise going into it was, will Nick end up alone again. Like, that was sort of the way that they were editing all the promos. I also even love, like, the stills where usually it's, like, a guy in a suit, like, holding out a rose, and his was him crouched down on the ground with the rose kind of limp 
at right. his knee looking at the floor. Right, just sad so. and very <laughs> dejected. Uh, there's one particular episode in this season of the show that was, I think, really egregious, just editing-wise. Essentially what happened was, in a nutshell, sort of towards the end of the season, so there are fewer women around, um, which is kind of when the things get really tense because it starts to get real. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And they are all, a bunch of the women are on this beach date. Um, they're playing beach volleyball. And then all of a sudden, like, the game has ended and all these women are just kind of sitting, cry, like, crying alone separately <laughs> on the beach. And everyone's really upset. And you don't, it's like, I don't understand why oh, everyone's- suddenly crying. Yeah, it's like really very unclear why everyone's upset. I don't know how I feel. I just want to have fun and can't. Now I'm pissed. I feel awful. I feel like an idiot. And now I'm crying over a stupid volleyball game. This is the most blatant example I've seen in a while where it was just like really shoddy editing. But for whatever reason, we find out behind the scenes that what had happened was on this group date, the two teams playing volleyball, the team that won was supposed to, they do this a lot, was going to be allowed to have, like, more time with Nick. So they were all going to go off to a cocktail party after the game. And the team that lost was just going to have to go home and, like, cry alone. So they kind of announced that this is going to happen, and it did not go over well with the women. And they all got really upset, and Nick was like, okay, we'll all just go to the cocktail party. But for whatever reason, they— such a pleaser. (laughs) Yeah. They didn't show that that had happened. So everyone was just really upset. It was super confusing. And you just have no idea what's going on. And But then once you find that out, you can the, you watch the clips that they did air, and it all makes a lot more sense. Like some sure. of their comments are about how things were so unfair, and it, like they don't know why this happened, and like blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, oh, now I understand. Well, I think I, I watched that episode, and I also was just like, why is, every, why is everyone so mad? Yeah. And so knowing that is really interesting. Yeah. Usually they're not that bad at it. I mean, these are professionals. They know what to do. This, exi- <laughs> this episode, I think, was a, a really, really good example of, like, why did you think that this audience was going to think that this was, like— totally normal, right? That everyone's just all of a sudden just like staring forlornly off into the right. ocean. And yeah. Nick's like, oh, I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one thing we know about The Bachelor and The Bachelorette is that they film until like 5 a.m. You know, these rose ceremonies last until the early hours of the morning. Mm-hmm. Everybody is drunk. Mm-hmm. Everybody <laughs> is sleep deprived. Yes. <laughs> Talk about that. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, so a a big tactic that the producers use is essentially just exhaustion. Torture. Yeah, (laughs) you could could argue that in a way it's torture. Enhanced enhanced, uh, television techniques. (laughs) Yes. uh, The example, I mean, the excuse they always give is that you signed a contract, you knew what you were getting yourself into. I think that even given as much as I know about the show— and I would never go on it. I still don't think you really know what it's like until you're in this environment. Um, you know, they're not allowed to read. I think you're allowed <laughs> to bring the Bible. You don't have a phone. You don't have a television. Um, you can work out and eat and drink. That's all. So they basically starve you of any distractions so that you can entirely focus on this one person and the dynamics in the house, which is why 
people act kind of crazy because <laughs> they're going crazy. <laughs> right. They're I mean, they have nothing to do except care about this guy that they know nothing about or right. girl. So that is, I think, something that people don't think about a lot okay. or forget about. Well, not it just explains why like someone might be like just in tears. Because it's just like, yeah, they're fucking tired. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, they're exhausted. <laughs> you often see that in rose ceremonies where the taping has gone on for so long that the women are kind of leaving the mansion as the sun is coming up. Mm-hmm. There's this big, beautiful, rosy glow. Yeah. Uh, and they're all just like, ah! Has, <laughs> yeah. there, has there ever been, because I know so much about the show involves drinking mm-hmm. and the fact that these people, the men and the women in both versions of the show, will go to rose ceremonies or go to events where they get drunk and like sort of, act a fool or whatever. Yeah. Has there ever been a character or not character, has there been a contestant on the show who's like a recovering alcoholic who like couldn't partake where that sort of a plot element that they can't like participate in the sort of debauchery that's going on? Yeah, I'm pretty sure this season Taylor, uh, one of the contestants who most of the season was dominated between her and like this uber villain Corinne Mm -hmm. fighting, which was, I found pretty boring and like very obviously fake, Mm -hmm. at least some of it. I don't think I'm playing Miss Proper. I I'm think you to are. Give you you're treating me like I'm an idiot. I did not treat you like you're an idiot. Okay. It doesn't feel like anything that I am saying is making sense to, or getting through to you. Don't treat me like I'm stupid, Taylor. She was trying to tell me that I wasn't stupid while telling me that I was stupid. And I was like, F- you bitch, I know what you're trying to say. You're not smarter than me. She said later that she doesn't drink very much. No. So, like, she's, or maybe not at all. So she's, like, not a party person the way a lot of those people are. It just seems Um, like it would be really tough to be on that show if you didn't drink. Yeah, arguably you're like putting yourself in better hands because you're less likely to be manipulated by whatever scenario. It is also probably harder to like get down and have a good time. Everyone else is drunk. (laughs) Yeah, I think this season, um, so Corinne, the aforementioned villain who very clearly went on the show like knowing the villain playbook and played right into that in order to kind of get her 15 minutes, was drunk a lot, like very, more visibly, I would say, than some other contestants, and to the point where she would fall asleep and like missed a rose ceremony once. And all the other women got really <laughs> mad at her, which was mostly, it wasn't even because of the rose ceremony. I think a lot of them said they were mad because like they had to be awake for it and they didn't right. want to be awake. Like they wanted to go to sleep and mm-hmm. she was allowed to just sleep. Like they got really mad about that. She's been up there all night. Just think she'd be down here. I'm nervous because we're all emotionally exhausted. And now Corinne is missing at the rose ceremony. She didn't get kicked out. Well, she had already had a rose from like, oh. like he'd given. So basically she was like. She had immunity. And you also know it's like the, some producer was like, yeah, you can go lie down. And they right. knew that it would make the other women <laughs> mad. So, you know, if they had really wanted her there, they would have woken her okay. up and gotten right. her there. But they knew that she didn't have to be and that it would make other people angry. So the show is a grueling production. Yeah, literally exhausting. (laughs) Just add one thing about when Corinne and Taylor had their kind of showdown on that episode. One, um, Taylor said, um, you're like mental health professional shaming me, Mm -hmm. which is not a real thing. (laughs) (laughs) But um, she also like seemed really visibly upset the whole time. And at Mm -hmm. one point, like Corinne passed out like cheesy noodles to everybody right. because it's that was that like her, her like, thing oh cheese yeah. I, I, I saw her recipe for cheesy noodles and it was interesting because all the girls were like yeah woo and then it cuts to Taylor and she has it in her hand and her hand is just shaking and she's not touching <laughs> oh it God. yeah there's actually a really interesting interview with Taylor that she did with um, Here to Make Friends which is a Bachelor podcast that um, Emma Gray and Claire Fallon do at the Huffington Post um, and 
she basically talked a lot about how surprised she was by the edit that she got on the show Hmm. and how much, like, she did not really ever want to be fighting with Corinne, but, like, how kind of crazy Corinne was and also how much she did not expect, like, her job as a therapist to become, like, the thing about her that was interesting or notable or, like, used as a reason that she should or shouldn't behave a certain way. I was a psychology major, and you're a mental health counselor. If that's your job, then, you know, a good psychologist can tell when people are emotionally unintelligent, but a great psychologist helps them with their issues and doesn't judge them and put them down. I I think, like, she kind of had this idea, oh, I'll go on the show and I'll be um, just me. Like, I'll just be Taylor and, like, Mm -hmm. I have this job, but... All of a sudden, people are like, you're a therapist. Like, you should know better or behave a different way, which, like, if I were her, I also probably would be pretty annoyed about because, yeah. like, Corinne's just, like, allowed to do whatever she wants and Taylor right. has, like, a higher standard she of behavior. a multimillion-dollar company. Yeah, cement floors for <laughs> driveways, I think, is what her dad's Corindus? company. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but it's her dad's oh, company. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, God bless them all. <laughs> Nick ended up choosing Vanessa. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you, as if you were Nick's um, parent? Yeah. Would you approve of this, of this, of this coupling? So, First of all, as Nick's parent, you need like, you need like a jazzy pixie cut with some blonde highlights. <laughs> right. Nick's mom, Mary, uh, has been on the show so many times now that every time they would cut to her, she just looked like she was about to cry and then often was crying. <laughs> she just was, you couldn't really tell if it was like, She's like, how did I raise this monster? Right. If it's like, oh, she really is so sad that she's worried that he'll never find love. And then it's also like, but why does he keep doing this? Yeah. <laughs> Go Seems, date. Like, join Tinder now. Uh, he's from Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Okay. Waukesha. Waukesha. Oh, no, another, another child of Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah, I am also a child of Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, Waukesha is home of Le Paul Guitars. Sure. Also, the Slender Man stabbings. So, oh, yeah. You know. So take that oh, oh. for what it is. Sure. Weigh those two. <laughs> um, it's really hard to tell, and this is sort of the one of many complaints you can say about the show is that they kind of don't show you anything legitimately interesting about any of these people. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I'm sure some of them are really boring. I think some of them, like there's probably you see people who get cut from the show and they're like, they didn't, they didn't air like any of this like, funny stuff that <laughs> yeah. happened or like. It's like, yeah, maybe that would be a more interesting show, but this is like the kind of the way they've set it up is they have these very specific story arcs that they pull out time and time again because they think people like them, and I guess people do like them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Nick ended up picking Vanessa, who is a special ed teacher from Canada. Canada. Um, yeah, so that has been a drama about, like, where will they live? Obviously, Vanessa is trying to move to the U.S. because Nick it was never going to move to Canada. Yeah, Nick's not going to Quebec. <laughs> yeah, Nick. There's not enough cameras I mean, there. Nick is like, they shot his intro package for this season and pretended that he's still like a software salesman in Chicago. Chicago yeah. And he's been living in L.A. for years. <laughs> Just like going from Bachelor franchise to Bachelor Right, and like franchise. he's going to be on Dancing with the Stars next season, as like oh, right. a lot of them do. Mm. Uh, one of the things about that I'll just say that is a great example of how weird and tone deaf this show is, is like, during the After the Final Rose live special, which is, like, what they do after the finale airs mm-hmm. where Nick and Vanessa are reunited and they talk about how this has been, blah, blah, blah. Chris Harrison is kind of asking them about, uh, you know, where are you going to live? And 
then he was like, oh, and it's a lot harder to come to America than it used to be. Um, yeah, it got a little did political. That, did that not go over well? And everyone laughed. And I was like, this is not funny. <laughs> there also was a really funny moment on my favorite episode of every season is the Women Tell All, just because I like um, – I, like, love seeing, like, the sea of who's basically where I'm like, I don't remember you. I don't remember you. And I love watching the the no, the nobodies bring up drama because yeah. you can tell even Nick is like, yeah, well, why I, are you talking? I love watching. I always watch the f- premieres of every season, at least the first two episodes, and then I'm usually done because I get, like, a lot of joy. I've tried to watch full seasons in the past and I never make it. But I'm like, I always love the first couple episodes. And it's fun watching the first couple episodes when they kick people out that you've never heard speak. Yeah. It's like, Maddie, yeah. sorry. And you're like, what? And then when you rewind like, through the <laughs> you rewind through the episode and you see like, oh, Maddie was in the background there. Like you saw Maddie come out of the limo, but you never heard Maddie talk. And it was just like, she's gone. Mm-hmm. And then they, sh- all of them show up in the, the women tell all. Poor Maddie who got sent home. Yeah. But it's like, I've never watched I was a looking for all. love. <laughs> she was here for the right reasons. I was here for all the right reasons. Um, when you were watching the show, uh-huh. who were the favorites? Not necessarily favorites just in terms of personality, like personal favorite contestants, but who were the front runners? The front runners, like the the odds favorites to win. Sure. So my theory about the show um, is that more often than not, <laughs> towards the end, they start to send home people that they actually do like but okay. would be too hard to like – that they know they won't pick in the end and it'll be, like, harder to send them home. So, mm-hmm. for example, like, Rachel, he sent home. And that, to me, seemed very indicative of, like, because up till then there was no sign that okay. there was anything bad with them. Like, all it was all smooth sailing. She was really smart, et cetera, et cetera. And wasn't there something weird about, like, wasn't she announced as the next, next Bachelorette while she was still on the show? Yeah, so they'd never done that before. That's very strange. I mean, they'd sort of done that with Nick's season where he hadn't yet been kicked up. He hadn't yet finished up his round on Bachelor in Paradise. But that show was, like, very stupid. So it was less of a big deal. So that's kind of a lie, too. So I think a lot of it is just buzz, like, well, to be quite also frank. Also just, like, recognizing, like, the Bachelor, Bachelorette will always kind of be, like, a minstrel show of heterosexuality mm-hmm. where it's, like, this is, like, it at its most comical and, stu- like, dumbed-down version where it's just, like, I don't know. My... I- I think I'm a newer watcher. I've only been watching for a couple of years now. Yeah. yeah. And it still is shocking to me that it's like a guy looking for true love by like Frenching all these babes uh. in like a <laughs> disgusting hot tub. And so it's just like it's always going to be that. Like yeah. ultimately. Right. It's not like at any point they're going to be like, you know what? This isn't working. And we're going to make this a serious show. <laughs> kind of reminds me of like a, a like a bad stand-up comic that's like, ever noticed how like men are like this and then women are like this? Because all the men are like that and all yeah. the women are like that. Right. And then, but is, that brings me to another question. Is The Bachelor much better than The Bachelorette or are they both on the same level? Like, do you, you have one that you prefer in of terms watching? of quality of the show? A lot of people say that they like watching The Bachelor better because women are better at drama and gossip. Mm-hmm. And the men in the house on The Bachelorette tend to be more reticent, just, like, be more comfortable all dating one mm-hmm. woman. I mean, all of this is not to say that these are, like, innate characteristics of men and women. They're, like, the way that we're socialized. Mm-hmm. And the way that they set it up yes. on that show in particular. Yes. Um, I don't have a preference for either one. I do think the ratings for The Bachelor are always a little higher than the ratings for The Bachelorette. 
Uh, People love watching women humiliate themselves. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and God bless them. Uh, <laughs> can I ask um, sort of a behind-the-scenes question, which— mm-hmm. So Bobby and I are both very acquainted with tabloids. They've kind of been pimping the story all season that, like, the front runner, the winner, she's being posed as the nice girl. She's actually hell. Mm-hmm. Um, is that true? Is Vanessa? that true? So Vanessa, the yeah. special ed teacher from Quebec. A big <laughs> thing that I think is super interesting is uh, when you kind of pay attention behind the scenes to what's going on or what actually went on in the house um, from interviews that the cast will do later or those tips that Steve picks up, you start to see like how much they give people good or bad edits. So Michelle Money, who was a contestant on Brad's second season, is a really good example of this where she was, like, the bitch in the house. Like, that is her edit that she was given. Mm -hmm. And then during the Women Tell All special, a lot of them were like, she was so great. Like, I really (laughs) like Michelle. I think she's so genuine. Now she was, like, deeply beloved. She went on Bachelor Pad. She went on Paradise a couple times, I think. Um, She's dated a couple other people from the show. Um, She's, like, a huge fan favorite. Hmm. Um, So I think that was a really good example where they used a lot of stuff that she said, like, really tongue-in-cheek and, like, as a joke to make her seem like a crazy bitch that everyone hated. So Vanessa is a good example where it's been reported that she and Rachel did not get along in the house. And this happens a lot. Like you have a huge, you have 30 people, 25 people in a house. You're going to have cliques of people who are friends and people who are not. And Vanessa and Rachel were apparently like in different cliques. I think this is pretty apparent in the fact that when they brought Rachel on during the After the Final Rose special and they were like, what do you think about – Chris asked her, what do you think about Vanessa and Nick? And she just was like, yeah, they seem happy. Like she, she yeah, right. was like, I wish them she the did best. Not, she literally <laughs> said like one sentence. Yeah. Uh, so clearly like there's no love lost. I don't know that Vanessa is like more of a bitch than anyone else. I do know that it's been reported that she um, was like a quote-unquote backstabber in the house, that she would like be nice to people's faces and then tell Nick things about them. I mean – but, you know, Rachel yeah. also, the, like, sure, it, right? did not like her in the house. And, you know, I'm sure Vanessa would argue that Rachel was meaner than the very nice edit that she received as well. Mm. I mean, but ultimately, and you can tell me whether or not you agree or disagree, and I will change my opinion accordingly. <laughs> Rachel's the real winner. Sure. Like, you want to, you don't want to win. You want to be the bachelorette. Yes. Okay. Yeah, a lot of the people who go on these shows do it because they're like, if I can make it to the final four, then I can be the next Bachelor or Bachelorette or Consolation Prize be on Paradise and then make a ton of money in Instagram sponsorships. Right. I mean, like, no one's, like, talking about, like, Lauren from Ben's season, but, like, pe- you know, but JoJo right. got another season. Right. I mean, people are talking about whether or not Ben and Lauren broke up, but, yeah. like, it's all about Ben and Lauren, Ben and Lauren, you know. I'm. I think I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna. Well, I'm gonna watch the first couple episodes of The Bachelorette. But. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to see both the reception, which I am praying is positive, or mostly positive, and how they handle um, the racial dynamics of her season. I don't have super high hopes that it will be um, scintillating or classy, but <laughs> uh, it will be like a good case study in that. They could have done this a thousand seasons ago oh, right. and have not. And I, I like, wish her very well in her quest for love and in how she will be received by America. I yeah. like that she's 
correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like most of, particularly the men who are on the seasons of Bachelorette are usually like, like stumps with abs, you know? And yeah. so it's like having them paired with this, isn't she like a lawyer? I remember, She's a lawyer from Dallas. Her dad is a federal judge who was <laughs> appointed by Clinton, if I'm not mistaken. I remember oh looking God. at her bio and it was like, it was like, oh, please, like, what, a, what do you, what's your favorite, I guess. Oh yeah, her bio artists. was actually really Her bio good. was just like, Way too intellectual. One yeah. of them, she mentioned like Basquiat in it. And yeah, she was like, yeah. well, I love Basquiat. And I was like, how are you on this show? Yeah. I and mean, now it, she's going to be the, she's going to be like their intellectual superior. She's going to be like, I don't know. And it's, it's really, very strange. it's really hard because, you know, you look at the situation, you're like, oh, it's a dream scenario. Like a matchmaker set me up with 30 people and I can just do what I want with them. Oh my God, no. But <laughs> in actuality, a matchmaker found you know, 30 people who want to be on television and have mm-hmm. the time to do it. And so are like going to be entertaining are, personalities. Right. So many of them are like <laughs> wannabe actors or like waiters or like have a f- kind of fake job. like that. I, or they want to be the bachelorette. Those the are, bachelor. Right. Those yeah. are all people who are, you know, I everyone deserves to find love except for maybe like Charles Manson. But, uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> but that, you know, if— if you're trying to look for someone who is going to be compatible to your life, like, yeah. is that necessarily the pool you want to pull from? Mm-hmm. Probably not. I always love when their, like, career is, like, former bartender. Right. Or just mm-hmm. like, oh, you're not even, like, a current bartender. <laughs> uh, w- w- wasn't one of them one – of, wasn't one of the careers this, e- this season uh, twin? Twin. Oh, no, that, was that, was that was the couple seasons <laughs> they ago. They do that. Twin. I mean, those are, like, fake ones that the show right? – mm-hmm. There was one, like, Makes last season that was just, like, hipster. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to be interesting in that, um, I mean, like, The Bachelor has, like, two really distinct audiences, right? Where there's people like us who, like, watch it because we think it's kind of funny or interesting or whatever. And then there's people who actually just sincerely love it for what it is. Yeah. And I don't know. I One moment I noticed during the Women Tell All episode is there's one woman who, Liz, who was kind of brought on as like a twist in that she and Nick had had sex at a wedding before. Oh, a bachelor wedding. Yeah. yeah, at a bachelor wedding. All of the women seemed to really like her. Like they were all like saying like Liz is great. Like she's kind of known as like the girl who had sex with Nick. But like she's also like a wonderful person and <laughs> yeah. whatever. Imagine um, that, that being being what you're known for. <laughs> yeah. The girl who had sex. The boy who that lived. Is, I mean that is what she's known Nick. for now. Yeah. <laughs> but at one point one of the other women says – don't let anybody shame you for your sexuality. Right. And, like, the women applaud, but the audience response was so tepid and yeah. weird. Oh. And that, like, I I don't know. It even, like, cut to two women looking at each other kind of like, hmm. <laughs> Where it's just like, God, like, I don't know how it's going to get progressive or if it ever is going to get progressive. Yeah, I don't expect it to. I would say <laughs> that what I – is super interesting to me, and by interesting, I mean pretty fucked up, is that <laughs> Horrifying. Uh, it will both, and you saw this during Caitlyn's season of The Bachelorette, where the entire plot line of that season was that she had slept with Nick before Fantasy Suite Dates, which we know has happened numerous times before yeah. with other bachelors and bachelorettes. We just didn't know about it because they didn't show it. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, the show has gotten progress- progressive enough about sexuality that they can They'll talk about things on it and they'll acknowledge sex mm-hmm. in a way that they didn't in older seasons, which is something, I guess. But they made an entire season of drama around the fact that kind of not so subtly implying that there was something wrong with the fact that she had had sex with him. And then 
you know, in interviews afterwards with Chris Harrison, Chris was like, it's so terrible how Americans have called you like a whore and a slut. And it's like, you, <sighs> you did this. made people think that that was wrong. Like, if you hadn't done this edit, sure, people would have still had thoughts about her, but you provoked them into thinking mm. that there was something wrong about this. This is a tweet. You're the worst bachelorette ever in history. You're a little whore. So shut your little whore mouth. Hashtag slut. Also a tweet. Caitlin, you need to unspread your whore legs and shut your filthy diseased mouth and off. I'm having a, an insane flashback right now to Jake Pavelka's season. Sure. He was a pilot. Mm -hmm. And it was the theme of the season was on the wings of love. I have to look this um, And I remember there was one woman in the house who um, was very like bodacious and very, you know, kind of ultra feminine sex bomb. Mm -hmm. And she ended up having a romantic relationship with I think one of the cameramen oh, yeah. or producers. And then she got kicked oh. off the show. And she got right. kicked off for that. And just like the vile that Chris Harrison and Jake Pavelka were just spewing at her during, like, when they brought her back for an interview was really, like, it had me, like, shook, yeah. even though I was watching it as a like, youth. In all, what are you confused about? All Because I'm confused that the only thing this has to do with was your inappropriate physical relationship with our producer. What was this physical relationship? I'd like to know all about it, please. Well, you've never been clear about it. I was just like, I can't believe, like, the hypocrisy of... What's well, happening also, right now? Like, Chris is now divorced and has dated like a bunch of former, or at least as we we think that he has dated like at least a few former contestants. Are so his? That's one of the things she said in the episode where she goes, well, we all know what you get up to. Oh, and yeah. he's just like, he's just stone faced. Is this yeah. on the live episode? Yeah. Oh my God. Isn't he, isn't he trying to become like a Sparksian romance author or something? Nicholas, oh, you mean Chris Nicholas Harrison? Harrison? He wrote one romance novel, which I reviewed, which mm -hmm. was... Fine. Was it like very chaste? Like, was it? It wasn't chaste. There okay. were some real barn burner <laughs> moments. Oh okay. my god! <laughs> I don't know. Okay, well that's that's. Like, I don't I think he's trying. He, I think okay. that was his one shot. I and would I be didn't. surprised if he did another one, but I will buy it and read it if <laughs> he does. <laughs> yeah. Kate has a Chris Harrison T-shirt. Well, it doesn't have his face on it. It just has his name. What is it? Just says Chris Harrison. No, it's a T-shirt that Michelle Money had made. So I'm supporting. Former contestants You're in their endeavors a, a, a woman-run yeah, business. A woman oh, entrepreneur. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it says, I blame Chris Harrison for why I'm still single. <laughs> <laughs> it's legitimately very funny, I think. That's very funny. <laughs> it is funny. So today's game, this was a spin on a well-known classic called Fuck, Mary Kill. Got it. Oh. But this one is a Bachelor version. It's called Fantasy Suite, Final Rose, and Can I Walk You Out? Oh my gosh. I understand those references, so I'm going to be okay I so love far. it. So I put together some triptychs so that you can have visual references. Oh, you, oh, you did it already. Oh, oh man. Maddie. This is such a pro operation. It's not all going to be like... These are the contestants. Dick. Uh -huh. Trip dicks. Yeah, some trip dicks. You oh. get it? That's, that's pushing it. Th three men. Okay. Maybe. 
Oh, so, I thought it was all men. Here is doesn't matter. Okay, the sorry. first one, okay. and it's three men who are largely considered the worst bachelors. Okay. Oh, exciting! We have my friend Jake Pavelka. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Chris Souls, mm-hmm. oh. and we have Juan Pablo. Oh my God! So here you can take a little peek. Oh yeah. Okay. This is a really hard one. I know. I would have to say, can I walk you out to Juan Pablo? Because I just find him to be disgusting. Horrendous in every way. Disgusting. Um, <laughs> I would, I guess, fantasy sweet Jake Pavelka because he is, like, handsome. Right. He's very, like, a Ken doll. Yeah. Probably and I— Including the smooth genitalia. Would Final Rose Chris Souls? Not because I like him, but because my idea of our marriage would be just, like, sequestering him in a room in the house and never speaking to him. Great. Okay. Romantic. <laughs> yeah. I would walk Juan Pablo because I do remember Juan Pablo being awful. That's he was because he was so his season was very it was no, notorious, highly controversial. Um, I would walk Juan Pablo out. I think I would do the same thing, but I always kind of I think it's weird. I always kind of found Chris kind of charming, Ugh. and I don't remember Jake Pavelka. He was such a bird kisser. He was also like, I would keep you. Yeah, I would be like. I mean, I would give him the final rose. I would live in New York. Sure. I would visit the farm. You would every final once in a rose, while. do the after the final rose special, and then like, immediately oh break up after Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> if someone, like if anyone mentioned farming or Iowa, I'd be like, "Oh, my husband lives in Iowa." Like, it would be like, <laughs> "Oh, my husband's a farmer. Uh, I see him every couple months. Um, he seems like a nice guy to have around." Okay. okay, yeah, that's but that's the same. I think I would. Juan Pablo's a soccer player, right? He's really handsome. Yeah, I think sure, I would. Yeah. I think I would fantasy suit Juan Pablo. No talkie though. Um, I would walk out Pavelka just because pilots only make like $20,000 a year. And if I'm going to get married through The Bachelor, I oh, want to make Chris Souls is an, a very successful <clears throat> farmer. Like, he has um, a lot pilots of money. Are so, uh, pilots are very depressed and angry people also. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm going to yeah. probably also uh, final rose Chris Souls. And then I can just like start like my own like pioneer woman blog mm-hmm. where I'm just like, oh, I was a, a city girl who moved great to That would be really good. It would be very successful. All right. Next one. You have to choose. These are the women you're going to be eliminating. Okay. And you have to eliminate them based on their tragic backstories. Or maybe not eliminating. Maybe final rosing. Maybe. Sure. All right. So we have a special ed teacher who is loved by her students. Mm-hmm. We have an orphan from Russia <gasps> who um, basically kind of had to fight her way to the United States where she finally found happiness. Okay. And then we have a prenatal nurse whose boyfriend recently died of an overdose. <laughs> I forgot oh about that. Again, if you want to look at the <clears throat> pictures, you can. I feel like Bobby should go I first. don't need the pictures, but I would immediately <laughs> send the prenatal nurse packing because she needs to get back to work. She, she, I feel like she's doing good good work. So you're just being practical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, we need prenatal nurses, you know? She's yeah. probably doing, and if she gets the final rose, We don't need knows? special ed teachers, She'll apparently. end up in the Instagram life, and then she'll just, you know, marry Chris Sewell's and then be on the farm and not be a prenatal nurse anymore. So, special ed teacher from Canada. I would, I would fantasy suite her so that also she could go back to doing, like, because I don't know the Russian orphan's job like is she really does she have like a sort of necessary role in the community (laughs) and since i don't know those details i am gonna make her necessary role in the community so i would make her the final rose because like she can doesn't sound like she has anything else to fucking do okay um yeah 
Okay. Because I feel like the special ed teacher would like be in the fantasy suite and say like, what am I doing? <laughs> oh my I God. Would, <laughs> I would final Rose orphan because she seems sweet and like she deserves a good thing to happen. Mm-hmm. I would fantasy sweet the <laughs> neonatal nurse <laughs> because I don't know, like she'd be good with her hands. I don't know. <laughs> And I would then, I guess, um, send the Canadian packing because we can't have any future because she lives in Canada. You don't. She doesn't live in Canada. She's just a special ed teacher. Okay, she's a special ed teacher. Uh, then yeah, I don't know. She should go back to teaching. Okay, great. <laughs> I have the same answers for different reasons. Okay, I would final rose the orphan. Okay, because she'd be grateful. Oh my god, Maddie, <laughs> she'd be grateful. <laughs> yeah, a lot of lot grateful of- for a home. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I would probably fantasy suite the neonatal nurse for like equally politically incorrect a reasons. Nurse. I was a prenatal nurse. I just think this is horrifying. I'm okay. gonna people if like our ten listeners are gonna revolt. I think because she lost a fiance, she's gonna like be tender. She's gonna like bone like there's no tomorrow. Mm, that's a good argument, actually. Oh, I didn't know she was yeah, a widow. Grief really Pseudo widow brings people Near together. Widow. I love that argument. Thank you. Um, and then send the the special ed teacher packing because we all know where teachers are going to the what? paddock. <laughs> to the paddock. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just like teachers, teacher unions are in threat. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. under threat. So we're getting political here. That's just like a lot of that's just like a lot of stress to bring to my life. <laughs> okay. Kate, sometimes we get political on this. Yeah, show. apparently. Yeah, FYI. Good to know. Are um, we doing any more men? Uh yeah. Okay. You're picking you're basically ranking um dates that you could go on. Okay. You're just gonna pick which one you would most you're just gonna rank the ones that you would do. Okay. okay. So do. these are um, in my opinion, uh some of the worst dates that have happened in the past oh, couple seasons. Exciting. So shoveling manure on a <laughs> farm in Washington. That was very bad. Being in an anti gravity tra- chamber where you vomit Ooh. and then have to make out. Or swimming with really aggressive pigs in Puerto Rico. <laughs> okay, I have my ranking already. Great. Pigs is number one. I love water. And that would be like a fun thing to tell people that you've done. Also, like, I'm sure they're fine. They uh, were scary. They seem fine. Uh, <laughs> okay. Two is the shoveling <laughs> uh, manure because, like, you can only <clears throat> shower and it's a good workout. And three is like very third to be clear is oh. that anti-gravity thing because I would get nauseous in a second and like have no desire to vomit all over a plane. We have very different answers. Wow. One, anti-gravity. I've <laughs> always wanted to do that. I like vomit aside, I don't Bobby care. Bobby yeah. is I've always wanted to do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that sounds so fun to me. Like even if we're vomiting, we're both vomiting, you know, like mm-hmm. who cares? Two would be the pigs. Okay. Um, because, and then that actually just sounds kind of Sounds kind of fun. I'm if, if they're not like the wild pigs, you know, the dangerous pigs, feral pigs, it sounds fun. Yeah. A little gross, whatever. Shoveling manure just sounds like gross without the fun. Yeah. And I make that number three. But not distant. I think two and three are pretty close. But number one is a f- far and away number one. That is sounds great. Anti-gravity. Yes, anti-gravity. Okay. I, again, have the same, I think, ranking as you, mm. Kate. I'm such a trendsetter. But that mm. just shows what our, the power of our love. You yeah. are married, so. <laughs> Mind melt. <laughs> Um, okay. So one, I would say pigs just because it's like at least <laughs> you're in Puerto Rico 
and it's warm and you can like climb in a boat and the pigs can't get in the boat ideally. Yeah. Two, I would say the manure because having having grown up in Wisconsin, I actually like that's a very nostalgic smell for me Mm -hmm. and I don't really mind it. Okay. I also kind of like hard labor. Like I'm like pretty good with like chores. Um, And then third, I would pick the anti-gravity chamber because I hate feeling nauseous. But have any of you ever, like, thrown up and then kissed someone? No. Like, right after vomiting? Yeah. (laughs) I am just, I think so, yeah. Wow. It was, I had food poisoning. And you just I like, had food poisoning and was like being consoled. Oh, that's, sweet. that's yeah. Sweet. It's always like I don't want to be consoled. Yeah, I was though. like yeah, but also like when it I was, up, yeah, it was like don't touch me. Right, when I throw <laughs> up, I don't want anyone within like a ten mile radius. Of yeah, my body. It's such an embarrassing. And, I just like, want to be alone and like lying on the bathroom yeah. floor. Yeah, great. Literally, like yeah. Well, those are all the questions, guys. Mm. Oh, I feel uh, revitalized and excited. Good. I'm so glad. Me too. Um, that well, was a good game, Maddie. Thank you so much. Fun. I was in a bit of a panic, but I pulled it together. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was a fun game. Thank you to Kate for stopping by the studio today and talking about The Bachelor and playing a very fun game. We really appreciate it. Yes. Thanks for having me. Your knowledge was sort of crucial. Grounding. I think um, to at least my own understanding of the show. And I feel like I'm kind of inspired to watch it m- more fully in the future because of what you said. Oh, I'm so And observe honored. it with a more analytical eye. <laughs> I am not inspired to watch it anymore, <laughs> but I was watching it already, so it's fun. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. It was fun to be here. Thank you, thanks. Kate. We'll see you in the office. My wife. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Well, thank you so much to our guest, Kate Dries, young Dreesy. So reliable. Love um, Kate. We love her. And thank you guys so much for listening. We always have such a good time talking into nothing. Into nothing. Staring at each other in front of like weird microphone stands. Yeah, exactly. It's um, probably going to hurt my vision at some point. I think it's, it's romantic, but that's okay. <laughs> our show is produced by Levi Sharp with editorial oversight by Kate Dries. Manana Mofidi is our executive director of audio. Our theme music is by Stuart Wood. This episode was mixed by Brad Fisher. Want to send us a tip or just let us know what you think? Hit us up at dirtcast at jezebel.com. Please rate and review us on iTunes. Mm-hmm.